Biological sex is fake. Yes, we all know that gender roles are fake, but do not say to a trans person, biologically male, born female, male-bodied. No, 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 no. There is no biological criteria for gender that is both universal and a binary in human beings. Where does that leave us? Free. Hello, I'm not magpie, I'm Tal, but I can explain. So magpie's pronoun set is it, bug, dirt, they, right? It and they are used normally. So its name is magpie, the sweater belongs to it, and it was going by itself. And then their name is magpie, this belongs to them, they were going by themselves. For bug it would be bug's name is magpie, the sweater belongs to bug, bug was going by bug's self. And then for dirt it would be dirt is magpie, the sweater belongs to dirt, dirt was going by dirt's self. You can use these interchangeably in a sentence, you can use just one of them, or you can use different ones at different times. Hope this helps. Just some food for thought, but if you ask me my pronouns, and I say I use any pronouns, and you only use she, her, <laughs> you're a fucking loser. Is it really that hard to call me a he now and then? I'm not saying it has to be a regular thing, but a nice crisp little he, him, they, them moment every month wouldn't fucking hurt you. I am gender fluid. It doesn't matter if I wear makeup. It doesn't matter if I decide I want to look cis today. It doesn't matter. I'm still gender fluid. I'm not a woman every single day. And quite frankly, most of the time I'm a mix of the two. I'm the motherfucking man. My dick slang just like my titties do. Controversial opinion, but if you have a token white and you're hanging out, with your friend group of color, you need to ask permission from everybody in the group to bring your white friend. Like, don't just bring them. Ask for explicit permission from everyone because just because you're comfortable with them doesn't mean that everybody's comfortable with them. I might not be in the mood to deal with white shenanigans that day. That's that's all I'm saying. And another thing, it feeds into their ego. Like, don't don't let them think they're a good white person. Don't Don't give them that card to use against other people. Please don't do that. I read to kids in drag for a nonprofit called Drag Queen Story Hour. Drag Queen Story Hour uses drag to promote literacy, teach about queer lives, and spark kids' imagination. But programs like ours are being under attack. Right-wing politicians are spreading dangerous conspiracy theories about and inciting violence against drag performers and queer communities everywhere. This is part of a coordinated campaign to deny the rights of queer people who already endure disproportional rates of suicide and homelessness and they're trying to legislate us out of existence. As an educator, I am constantly worried if I am part of the problem. What do I mean by that? Well, public education is an institution that upholds lots of problematic systems in our society, like white supremacy and misogyny and colonization, etc. In my role as an educator, I try to undermine that BS in my classroom as much as I possibly can. I teach high school English and whoo, the white supremacy runs deep. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at how we write essays. Start with an introduction that includes a thesis. Always cite your sources. Use transition words 
words like however and therefore. These are all made up rules. They're arbitrary. They were created by Westerners in power. In Linguistic Justice, April Baker Bell calls this the language of respectability or the language of power. Which got me thinking, what if I started my school year with a unit honoring how we talk rather than teaching students how to write properly? So this is the start of my series on teaching linguistics in high school. Day 12 of being a girl and we're gonna go buy tampons. Let's go. Where are they even at? What the? I don't know, which one should I get? Got the Tampax Pearl. Um, I think these are like little dots to see how much you flow is what somebody said online. I don't know, let's do an unboxing. Um, it literally has instructions. Okay, this is a tampon. Uh, this thing does not go up inside you. Like, where does that go? Oh my God, what the hell? Okay, so it says you push the plunger up and out comes the baby, kidding. That just hangs out inside you? How does it, where, how do you get it out? Is that what this thing's for? Oh, oh, it comes open. Oh, oh, do you like, oh, where does the string go? I bought tampons because I've never bought them before. If you need one. What's up y'all, Dr. Purity here, and I'm gonna talk to you a bit about how to decolonize a classroom and how I decolonize my teaching. So first things first, we do not grade over here, okay? Anyone who takes my class automatically gets an A. They're told in the first week that they're going to get an A. The only thing that's required is attendance. And I have weeks of um, excused absences built in so that if people are sick or they have family obligations, it won't affect their grade. So since I'm not grading them, I'm just giving them A's. Like, how do I know that they're doing anything? And how do I know that... Um, they're learning anything. Uh, and so I also don't give homework. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, and I run a discussion style classroom. So um, my students and I have equal part when it comes to bringing information to the table. Um, we all sit together and share what we're talking about. Uh, and they get to use their critical thinking skills to apply the things they've learned in all their other classes. Hi, you are not body positive if you are not anti-racist. You can't be body positive if you're not anti-racist. If you want to engage in and benefit from and profit off of this space and you want it to just be about loving your roles and cellulite and stretch marks, you are at the tip of the iceberg and you've missed the entire point. Body positivity is meant for us to get at the root of the bullshit that we have been taught and guess what? Fat phobia is very much rooted in racism, like big time, like seriously. Also, black women totally paved the way for us in this space here. So if you care about this stuff, now is not the time to be silent, okay? This is not just about you learning to love your body. This is about all of us dismantling systems that make it impossible for people to just be safe in their bodies. And that means following up with action. Oh no, the transphobia in my comment section needs to stop. Yesterday I posted a TikTok responding to this question. What are the red flags you look for in men? And one of them was if he wouldn't date a trans woman red flag and my comment section you get the idea i can't put them all because there's too many let me break this down trans women are women so if you're heterosexual and you're a man and you said you wouldn't date a trans woman because it's a preference that's just transphobia period the majority of the time our preferences are rooted in something problematic it could be trauma racism, transphobia, the list goes on. If you want to find out what your problematic preferences are, click the link in my bio and watch this video. I am now going to take you all through an example. 
This person asked why it's transphobic to not want to date a trans woman. Already starting off on the wrong foot by referring to cis women as regular women. Then says something about trans women not being able to carry children. If that's your sole reason for dating someone, keep that same energy for all the women who are infertile. For all of your uh, love and care on my last post, um, here's here's my update. Sorry for the delay. My life is chaos on how I clicker trained my family to get my correct pronouns now that I am a trans person. Um, so first of all, a lot of people are asking what treat I was using. Um, if you don't know, for circus dogs, when they do something that we like, we click that behavior and then we give them a treat. Um, I did not use it as a positive marker like that for uh, my family because I'm not going to treat them for basic human decency. I instead used it as a negative marker. So every time they said she, I would click so that they would start to associate the click with a she in their head and would start to automatically self-correct. Um, I forgot to take into account the fact that I have an auditory processing disorder and live at like a 15 second delay from everybody and everything else. And so um, I wasn't able to click as much as I wanted to. So it wasn't super effective on that aspect. I think I'm going to need a new invention that counteracts auditory processing in order to get that right. But I did explain to them what this was for and why I was doing it. And then I carabinered it to my hip at all times. And I definitely had several occasions where a family member would start to say something, look at it, pause, and then purposefully gender me correctly. And that happened at least three or four times. So it was effective, but not entirely. So there's my update for you. Hello. It has been a rough few days for the queer community. And so today we are going to break one of the cardinal rules of teaching to make ourselves feel better, which is spending our own money on our classrooms. People get really mad about my queer library. I have like 200 titles that are specific to the LGBT community that I've been curating for over eight years. And don't get me wrong, my students love that library. It has been very helpful for many students figuring out who they are, how to relate to their peers, for parents who are trying to better understand their kids. But this is by far the most popular thing that goes into my classroom. It's flags. I make these available for everybody. Oftentimes teachers will take them and put them up in their classrooms. Cause like those mandated posters that districts have saying that places are safe spaces. Those are helpful, but oftentimes students think that because you have to put them there, they don't know necessarily if it's an actual safe place for them. But more than that, I meet kids all the time who are really just excited to have one. Sometimes they don't feel safe enough to take them home. So they might live forever in their locker. And there are like 6 million flags. So I don't have all of them, but I do have like our heavy hitters. Can you iron these? Probably not. They look like they're made of plastic. But the fact that cheap plastic flags are like the most popular thing in my queer library shows that the content really isn't the point for a lot of these kids. It's just feeling seen at all, acknowledged, loved, respected where they are every day. When word gets around that I've had a new shipment in, I'll meet students that I've never seen before. And for a lot of them, it's the first brave step toward making community with other students that will make the rest of high school a lot more survivable. I really wanted to come on here and talk about my gender and see if anyone in my little phone has the same experience or a similar experience or can relate in any way because i very recently discovered by very recently i mean like this very morning that i am a non-binary man which i know sounds like an impossible hypocrisy paradox contradiction but i'm gonna explain also i'm not a demi-boy i'm not a masculine aligned non-binary person i am a non-binary man because i'm non-binary and i am a man so i like wholeheartedly believe that gender is performative socially constructed and that we don't need it saying that i'm not really pro abolition of gender unless it would come in kind of stages i'm not sure i haven't really thought about the abolition of gender as a whole 
but I think that the world would be a better place if we had never constructed gender. Saying that, the only thing that's hindering me from being completely free of the influence of gender, gender roles, expectations, norms, etc, etc, is my gender dysphoria. The aim of my medical transition is not only to free myself of my dysphoria, but to entirely liberate myself from the grips that gender has on me in all respects. And I think it's very likely that a lot of people see medical transition and transitioning as a whole as the opposite of that and as a way to like conform to and comply with the gender binary. But that's just not how I see my transition at all. And I always want to be perceived as a man, like I am a man and I have lots of dysphoria surrounding the idea that I might not be perceived as a man. However, I don't want to be confined to that one label and I think that the way I see my transition and the way that I'm seeking freedom and liberation from gender is what makes me non-binary as well as a man. So imagine our frustration when passes were given to selected students on October 27th to leave our class at 1.30 to participate in the school-sponsored drag show. Instead of our students being engaged in academic time, they were applying makeup and changing into their drag costumes. This was a loss of over 30 minutes of instructional time for these students. One of the invited spectators for the drag show was Phoebe Mantrap, a professional drag queen. From our perspective, it does not seem fair and equitable that 100 essential students were not able to celebrate with their peers, but a professional drag queen from outside the 100 essential community was allowed. Furthermore, based on the chatter that we have heard amongst the students in our classrooms, Dr. Moore's decision has created significant confusion, division, and resentment between students. Well, it looks like we've put a whole new meaning to the word adult entertainment here, haven't we, Board of Ed? Adult entertainment used to mean adults going to strip clubs, watching other adults engaged in sexual behavior. Well, now, thanks to this board, we see adult entertainment as a bunch of high school staff watching young children for their entertainment. And to those of you who still retain your seats, those days are numbered because we will continue to expose the evil that you're doing in secret and behind closed doors. Just the fact that you have to hide this garbage tells us how evil it is. In the meantime, while you guys still temporarily hold these seats, remember we are looking at all avenues of holding you accountable for these actions. And I believe that the reason for the educational uh, deterioration in America is a preoccupation with ideology and sexuality at the expense of academia. Um, you take this drag queen performance as an example. Not only were students taken out of the class to prepare for the performance, but they would have been unable to focus on their studies in any class during the day while their minds were preoccupied imagining about this performance. The question is, is this an academic institution or is this an ideological institution? If I were to identify, if I were to identify as an elephant or wanted to change into an elephant, that would be okay if I was a toddler. But as an adult, a real academic institution would teach me that it was scientifically and biologically impossible. It would, in fact, be a mental disorder, and I should be referred to for psychiatric help. Because in reality, a drag queen performance is sexually grooming children, and that's unacceptable in this community. As a school board, you should recognize how divisive some of you are in, in this community by promoting this exclusive uh, sexual ideology. I'm here tonight 
because I'm concerned about this inappropriate story that was read to my daughter's second grade class. The book is titled, Julian is a Mermaid. And it's a story of a little boy who is transitioning to a little girl. And I just wanna remind you, my daughter is seven years old and this is a class of second graders. So I wanna be clear, my concern is the age appropriateness of this type of gender themed story for a class of second graders. I am all for and support diversity in a rich education. However, there should be boundaries with regards to sensitive subjects with our youngest learners. Education on changing gender for second graders should be completely off limits. And I'm looking at every single one of you because I just want to make sure that you hear me. We are talking about seven-year-old children being read a story about changing their gender. So I'm really perplexed as to why this book will be read to a class of seven-year-olds. And I'm also so curious, why would adults broach this topic with children? No answers, of course. And also, if this is the path the school wishes to take with the social and emotional learning, because that's the guise that they're hiding this under, then we should be able to opt out. So I do have the book here with me today. So I'd love to show you all about Julian and the mermaid. And we'll quickly go, I know we have a few minutes so we don't have time for story time like we do in my daughter's class. But here you can see Julian. So you all can see Julian, this little boy, as he strips down to his underwear and then grows hair as he's transitioning to his new life. Again, this is going to a group of seven-year-olds. And then we have Julian again, stripping down to his underwear, making himself a wig, putting on makeup, lipstick. And then he wraps a curtain around his waist with only his underwear to then be marched in a parade with a bunch of adults. So here is the book that's being shared with a bunch of seven-year-olds. This book clearly promotes gender ideas. Ms. Watros, you're almost at time. The book clearly promotes cross-gender ideas that is inappropriate for a group of second graders. You're and also the inappropriateness of the much. boy in his underwear. Thank you for your time this evening. And I hope that you all really consider what we're sharing with our youngest learners. What is up? Okay, my name is Maddie and I sound like a dude but I'm not. Um, see, so I transitioned for a few years and I've been off hormones slash detransitioning for a couple years. Here's the deal. When I went to transition, I had to go to counseling to get a letter of, letter of referral to a doctor. The doctor wouldn't see me without that, but I only had to go to like two sessions before this, uh, counselor was like yeah you have gender dysphoria let's you need to be treated by a doctor let's get you this note she wrote me the letter of recommendation I took it to a, do a doctor and this doctor prescribed me testosterone on the first visit now I'm not crying and blaming them for my decisions because I was a legal adult I was a I was a legal adult when I made these decisions I knew that my voice would be permanently altered I knew that I would permanently grow facial hair 
which I still do. You can't really see it right now because I pluck my face. Literally, these tweezers are in my car all the time because on my brakes, I pluck my face. Anyways, um, I was a legal adult when I made these decisions, but now my issue with this is that they're allowing these things to happen to children. Children who can't drive. Children who are not old enough to buy alcohol because their brains aren't, like, they're not mature enough to do that. Kids who aren't mature enough to apparently buy nicotine, according to the law. Like, they can't buy nicotine, they can't get it, they can't get a tattoo without parental consent because that's a permanent thing on your body that you don't, like, you, mentally you don't understand that it's going to be forever. Like, <laughs> and here's the thing, if this would have been as much of a push like for the transgender issue whenever I was a kid, I would have been one of those kids. I would have been on, because I didn't know what transgender was whenever I was that age. But if I would have, I would have been on puberty blockers because I did not feel like a girl. I felt like a boy. I did all the boy things. I did not feel like I was supposed to be a girl. I never pictured myself as a woman. Like in, like at my wedding day, I pictured myself as the guy. I never pictured myself as a mom. I pictured myself as the dad. Like. As a kid, as a kid doing pl like playtime or whatever, I would either be the dad in the situation or I would be the depressed, uh, depressed daughter, right? Which it was sad. Anyways, um, but I can't get over this. Like they're, they can't make these decisions, folks. Guys, they can't. They're babies. They're children. They can't drive. They can't smoke. They can't drink. They can't like... They can't get a tattoo like this is insane. Why are we allowing this to happen to children? I would have been so much further along in my transition Before like if I would have started that young and I I'm detransitioning So that would not have worked out the way that I thought it would work out whenever I was that age We're talking about how my son is possibly being groomed by his teacher and I wanted to expand on a couple of things it's not just that this teacher took my son out to eat in his personal vehicle after school hours and didn't ask permission he also told my son if he didn't start eating with him in his room during lunch that he would be removed from the play. He told my son after we reported this that he would apologize to my son if he would start eating with him again in his classroom. So there is some quid pro quo going on. And the biggest thing for me is how my son is reacting to all this. Something about this situation is upsetting my son deeply. He felt unsafe. And for me, that's enough reason for the school to investigate it instead of blowing him off, threatening him and actively punishing him. If the school stays silent on this, they're complicit. This first clip is him talking to my son in class in front of all the other students. was the start of a minute and a half ranting voicemail that happened when this teacher called us back, me and my mom. And we only had this guy's phone number because he had given it to my son, my minor son. A lot of that recording has my son's name, it has names of other teachers in it, so I cannot share the whole thing. longer welcome to be part of this production, and he will be removed out of the sixth hour class 
Through most of the voicemail, he's attacking us, thinking that we're calling him because Charlie didn't get a certain role in this school play that this choir teacher is directing. That was not why we were calling him. We were calling him to know why our minor son was in his personal vehicle and went to Panera Bread with him, and then he brought them home without ever getting our permission. But he hung up on us, he called back, and that's what he thought, and he threatens my son with being removed from the play. The reason I told you to grow a brain is because on what planet do you think that was appropriate for you to call? So we took that full voicemail and we took the recordings that my son made, um, a video that my son made, some text messages between the two of them to the principal's office. The principal called my son into his office yesterday and said, you are removed from the school play and don't ever record a teacher without their permission or their knowledge again. So I think the bigger issue here is that a grown man is taking a minor child in his personal vehicle and the school has nothing to say about that. Now, one small update. I did hear back from the superintendent and they let me know that they're investigating it. So we'll see how things go. But I just wanna say it should not be this difficult for any parent to confront someone that they are concerned about, especially if it concerns grooming, coercion, or quid pro quo. And if a student comes forward and is punished by the school, my son asked the principal, he said, why am I being punished for this? Then you're preventing students from getting help in the future. That's problematic!